Another day, another starting pitcher the Orioles reportedly have interest in. Is Michael Lorenzen finally the one that the O's hand out a contract to in free agency? We'll talk about that and more coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, January 29th, 2024, and welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we are getting to some Orioles news and notes. A lot of smaller things to get to over the last few days that we will parse through on a Monday episode, including the Orioles reporting to have some interest in Michael Lorenzen, one of the final kind of big league caliber starting pitchers left on the free agent market. A couple of free agent signings the O's made, an outfielder in Daniel Johnson and a left-handed pitcher, or at least now a left-handed pitcher in Ronald Guzman. We'll talk about them. And then a little more pitching notes for the Orioles as Mike Elias spoke about the pitching market at Birdland Caravan this weekend, and the O's were... Reportedly by some interested in another starter who they should not be getting anywhere near. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. So let's jump into the Orioles' news and notes. Going to get to a lot of pitching here on a Monday episode as we are creeping towards February. February is the month where pitchers and catchers report. It's almost baseball time. Like, it is really almost baseball time here. And the Orioles, while they haven't done a whole lot this offseason, the biggest move has been a one-year $13 million deal to Craig Kimbrell. They continue to be reportedly interested or checking in on certain pitchers who are both available via free agency and via trade. And a new name a name that has been connected to the O's for a while now, at least from people who parse this out and aren't exactly reporters, but, you know, can put two and two together. Finally, we have the connection of the Orioles and Michael Lorenzen. As John Morosi, and I get it, it's John Morosi, so, you know, maybe Michael Lorenzen is currently on a flight to Baltimore. But John Morosi reporting that the Orioles have interest in Michael Lorenzen. Now, who's Michael Lorenzen? If you're not familiar, a 32-year-old right-handed pitcher who is available on the free agent market this winter. And John Becker's free agency matrix, the document that he puts together at Fangraphs that basically parses out every single free agent projection that anybody of note does in the offseason and gives you the average projection. The average projection from the matrix is a two-year, $22 million contract for Michael Lorenzen, which already is not expensive at all. Again, that's $11 million per year. That's less than Craig Kimbrell got from the Orioles, so it should be very much in their price range. And if what I've talked about before is true, that the Orioles just don't want to give out any multi-year deals to anyone in free agency, I think at this point in the winter, you know, we're about to hit February, Lorenzen will probably take a one-year deal, something around... 11, 12, 13 million dollars for one year of Michael Lorenzen, I think would get it done for him, which means that certainly is in the O's price range. Even though John Angelos doesn't want to spend any money at all, that is at least in the range for Michael Lorenzen. Now, in 2023, we saw Lorenzen pitch for two different teams. He started the year with the, the Detroit Tigers, and he was really, really good. 
with the Tigers before the trade deadline. Now, he was an easy trade candidate. He was pitching well. The Tigers were bad. He was on a one-year deal. He was an expiring contract. And in 18 starts with Detroit in 105 and two-thirds innings, he had a 3.58 ERA. 20% strikeout rate was a little below a league average, but the walk rate at 6%, very, very low, well below the average. He was throwing a lot of strikes. And in the month of July, Lorenzen had a 1.14 ERA in July, leading right up to that August 1st trade deadline. So he was pitching at his best really when it mattered most. And the Phillies jumped in and said, we would like to add to our rotation for the playoff push. And the Phillies acquired Lorenzen from the Detroit Tigers at the deadline. Now the Orioles, it should be noted, were interested in Lorenzen and were involved, at least somewhat, in Lorenzen trade talks with Detroit at the deadline. So it's not super surprising that this offseason they are once again at least taking a look at Michael Lorenzen. Now the Orioles went ahead and got Jack Flaherty instead, and they definitely could have swung the deal for Lorenzen, what the, the Phillies ended up giving up for him, but he wasn't exactly great down the stretch. He was kind of similar to Flaherty, except for the fact that at least like Flaherty wasn't really that good before the trade. He just got worse. Lorenzen was good in Detroit. He was not in Philadelphia. He was actually removed from the starting rotation late in the year, made 11 appearances, seven starts with the Phillies, and in 47 and a third innings has a 5.51 ERA down the stretch with Philadelphia. 14% strikeout rate is abysmal with a 10% walk rate, almost doubled his walk rate after his time with Detroit. Now he did, which made this even weirder, throw a no-hitter when he was with the Phillies on August 9th. He threw like 130 pitches and threw a no-hitter where he did walk four guys but didn't give up a hit in a Phillies win. That was really like his one great, good-to-great outing in a Phillies uniform. Everything else was not very good. They moved into the bullpen. He was actually solid the couple of times he appeared out of the bullpen in the postseason for the Phillies. He did make their playoff roster as a reliever. And that's not super surprising for Michael Lorenzen because a reliever is what he's been most of his career. When he first came up with the Reds, in 2015 at age 23. He was used as a starter that season, but immediately the next year in 2016, they moved Lorenzen to the bullpen. And all the while, Lorenzen was trying to become a two-way player. He would hit some. He was a very good hitter in college and, and coming through the draft and hit in the minor leagues. And they let him do it some. The Reds did at the big league level. It never materialized as a full-time two-way player. But he was basically a reliever for a long time. From 2016 through 2021, he was like a solid to good reliever in Major League Baseball. Now, he was never anybody's closer or was never really anybody's setup man between the Reds and the Angels and others. Like, he was a solid Major League middle relief arm, which is valuable for a lot of teams, especially a team trying to get to the postseason. And then he just decided, I'm going to try starting again. So in 2022, he did that. And... It didn't go amazing. He was okay. And then he goes to Detroit and tries it again, and it goes much, much better in 23, but then he kind of falls apart down the stretch. And some of the reason for that falling apart, obviously some of it could be the change of scenery and you know pitching in bigger spots down the stretch with the Phillies and more pressure when he was out there on the mound, but also the fact that, listen, even when Lorenzen was a starter in 2022, he only made 18 starts the entire year. So it's not like he pitched anything close to a full season. A full season is, you know, 31, 32, 33 starts for a starter. He made 18 of them in that full year as a starting pitcher. Then he throws 18 starts just in the time with Detroit before the trade deadline, almost 106 innings. And at that point, he had already surpassed his innings total from the year before. So you have to think it was a lot of fatigue for Lorenzen, who had never had a year 
where he spent the entire season at a, as a starter. And you can't really say he did this year because he only made 25 starts in total. He only threw 153 innings, and it was a 4-1-8 total ERA for Lorenzen between Detroit and Philly last year. So I really think one of the issues was he didn't make it through the whole season because he just wasn't prepared to be a starter throughout the whole year. He's just been a reliever for too long, and, and, and maybe that's not what he can do. And it's been odd to see people refer to Michael Lorenzen as, oh, you know, he wouldn't be great, but yeah, he'd be a nice at least replacement for Kyle Gibson because the O's let Gibson walk, and then he signed with the Cardinals this offseason. Michael Lorenzen is not replacing Kyle Gibson. Gibson threw 192 innings for the Orioles last year. Lorenzen threw 153 last season, and only the first 100 were good. It got pretty rough after that. So you cannot count on him for a full season of innings, which really puts Lorenzen into the Tyler Wells Bowl. And here's the thing. Tyler Wells, when he was starting, was very similar to Lorenzen last year, where he was really good in the first half as a starter, then kind of fell apart. But Wells was still better than Lorenzen was when he was a good starter in the first half of the season. So... If you think Tyler Wells can be the O's five starter, then not really a reason to sign Michael Lorenzen as the number five starter. But here is the reason to maybe sign Michael Lorenzen. And it's the fact that one of two things. One, you want Tyler Wells to start, but you want some insurance. There's no better insurance than just another Tyler Wells. And that's basically Michael Lorenzen. Again, he's been a good reliever for six years of his big league career. And when the Phillies moved into the bullpen late last year, he was good again in a few appearances out of the pen. So he can still do it. He's got seven pitches, which is kind of insane. Four-seamer, slider, changeup, sinker, sweeper, curveball, cutter. Now, his changeup's really his only, like, elite pitch. Like, that thing is really, really good and really helps him against left-handed hitters. But otherwise, his stuff kind of plays down as a starter. His fastball velo plays up, the, the swing and miss. It all plays up when he pitches out of the bullpen. So if you would bring in Lorenzen and you just, say, pair him with Tyler Wells as your number five starter and say, all right, each of these guys has broken down late in the year, but if we can space out their starts... Maybe switch them in and out, go to a six-man rotation at times, maybe give one guy a rest, let the other guy pop in. While one's starting, the other one can pitch out of the bullpen because, again, Wells and Lorenzen have both shown that they can be good relievers at the major league level. That is how you could patch together a number five spot with Cole Irvin waiting in the wings as your depth guy who you know can, because he did it with the A's multiple times, pitch through a whole major league season, push 200 innings, and be a true innings-eating guy if you need it. Now, for me, the perfect use of Lorenzen is the cherry on top after you go get the big-time starting pitcher, the guy that's going to be top two, top three in your rotation, the Dylan Cease, the Jesus Lazardo type. Then you bring in Lorenzen and say, all right, Dylan Cease, we added him. That gave us five starters, right? They gave us Cease and Bradish and Rodriguez and Means and Kramer. We bring in Lorenzen, and he starts the year in the bullpen, along with Tyler Wells and along with Cole Irvin. But then we know... All three of those guys can give us starts if we need them to. That allows you to have D.L. Hall focus on solely being a reliever. And if Lorenzen comes in and your rotation is good enough where Lorenzen maybe starts five games for you, but mostly, you know, he pitches, let's say, 50 games out of the bullpen, but then starts five games, that is how you want to use Michael Lorenzen. And so if the O's are going to do that and add him on the back of the rotation into the bullpen when they get a top guy, that's perfect. If they're going to bring him in and just be the only starting pitching option, I'm not really sold. Like, yeah, it's nice that if he doesn't work as a starter, you know he can still be a good reliever and contribute to your big league team and give you multiple innings out of the bullpen. Like, that's all great. 
it's just not very exciting. He's not a big swing and miss guy. Some of that low ERA in Detroit, there was a lot of batted ball luck that went Lorenzo's way in the first half of the season last year. He's never really been, for a full season, a good starter. And it's only been a few times he's been a good reliever for a full season, even in that stretch with Cincinnati and others when he was pitching exclusively out of the bullpen. That really wasn't him for entire seasons. So when you break it all down, as a supplemental piece, I would love Michael Lorenzen on this team. If they go get Dylan Cease, I would... Man, if you get Lorenz in that on a one-year, $10 million deal to help in the rotation and the bullpen, like, that's perfect. If your only pitching addition between now and opening day is Michael Lorenzen, are the Orioles better? Absolutely they are if they bring him in. Are they that much better? I don't really know, and he's not the type of pitcher that gives you big upside. He's more of a higher floor guy. Feels like the Orioles, they have those guys, right? They have a Dean Kramer. They have a, you know, John Means with injury questions. They have a Cole Irvin. They have a Tyler Wells. They even have a DL Hall. Like, they don't need any more of the low ceiling, high floor. They need those high ceiling guys. Michael Lorenzen is not that. But again, it is a move, if it's made, that does at least make the Orioles better. But a couple of moves the Orioles did actually make already were of the minor league variety, as most of the moves the O's have made this offseason have been. But again, remember, I give my spiel every time for minor league signings. There is no downside to a minor league signing. It is all about depth in AA Bowie, in AAA Norfolk. Sometimes those guys help you in the big leagues, and that's great. It's usually just about bringing depth, and depth is always a good thing. But the two players the O's brought in were, were kind of interesting on their minor league deals. And Daniel Johnson and Ronald Guzman, I'll talk about them both coming up after this. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Factor Meals. You can get started on your New Year's resolutions with Factor, so you're ready for the new year. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, the prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. And you could just stress less over mealtime. That might be the best part. Factors, no prep, no mess meals, free up time, otherwise spent shopping, cooking, and cleanup. No more wasting time in the kitchen. So head to factormeals.com slash locked on MLB 50 and use code locked on MLB 50 to get 50% off. That's code locked on MLB 50 at factormeals.com slash locked on MLB 50 to get 50% off. So we're back here on an Orioles news and notes episode talking Orioles interest, Orioles signings. We get to the minor league signings here again. No harm in a minor league signing. Depth is always good. And the O's made two of them over the last week or so. And the first one is 28-year-old left-handed hitting outfielder Daniel Johnson, who the Orioles signed to a minor league deal. Johnson, just a quick scouting report on him. Outfielder with a strong arm who can play all three outfield positions. Has played a little more in the corners recently, but can certainly play center field. He was with the San Diego Padres in 2023. Did not get to the big leagues. Kind of split his time. Between AA and AAA, in AAA, it was only 126 plate appearances, but he was pretty good. He hit 296. He had a 126 WRC+. Plus. But he spent most of the year in AA, which is a little concerning at 28 years old. 
412 plate appearances there was basically a league average double a hitter with a 101 wrc plus but defense kind of always been ahead of the offense for daniel johnson he was a former high draft pick though in cleveland and was like great in triple a in 2019 with the guardians got his chance in the shortened season in 2020 got a bigger chance at the big leagues in 2021 with cleveland but just he never hit he had 94 plate appearances in the big leagues over those two years and, and although the defense was good like he, he just wasn't basically hitting at all and again that's a very small sample size in the big leagues but just didn't hit enough for Cleveland to keep him around and he's basically hung around around the double a and, and triple a level over the past few years Johnson coming in for the Orioles I don't see a scenario where Daniel Johnson steps on the field in a Baltimore Orioles uniform in 2024 but what I do see is him splitting time between double a Bowie and triple a Norfolk and providing good depth for the Orioles because Again, I talk about this every time the O's make kind of one of these more minor minor league signings, right? Like Daniel Johnson, a guy who's only been in the big leagues for a cup of coffee and probably doesn't factor into the Orioles. He's there for depth. If you think about what the Orioles had to do last year, remember Kyle Stowers missed all that time with injury. Taron Vavra missed all that time with injury. Joey Ortiz was out time with injury. Like they didn't have, you know, Kobe Mayo up in AAA the whole year. They didn't have Jackson Holiday up in AAA the whole year. Colton Cowser missed time with injury. He was in the bigs. Heston Kerstad went to the bigs. Like guys were going up and down in the minors and the majors. You had Hudson Haskin suffer the big injury last year as well. So you did not have all the guys you thought you would have. And that's going to happen every year. Guys are going to get injured. So the Orioles had to go to guys like Robbie Glenn Denning, you know, a hero for Team Australia in the WBC, just to bring him in for a month in AAA Norfolk just to have somebody in the lineup. And that always happens. That is why you need to start the season with these guys. Again, no matter how many times I say this, I get messages and I get emails that say, this guy's going to block this prospect. That's not happening. Like, are you not listening? It, it, it has never happened and it will continue not to happen. They're bringing in a guy like Daniel Johnson. So when eh, Hudson Haskin isn't quite ready to, you know, have a full season out there, or, you know, we know that maybe one of Kowser or Kerstad's going to be traded. The other one will be in the big leagues. They won't really be in AAA. Like, hey, they're looking at AAA and saying, hey, you know what, Dylan Beavers and Judd Fabian, they'll be there at some point, but they're probably starting the year in AA buoy. And so AAA Norfolk might need an outfielder or two just to take some at-bats early in the season. That's why Daniel Johnson's there. That's all there is to it. If you're getting upset about minor league signings, you should probably shut the phone, shut the laptop, and go outside. The other one is Ronald Guzman, who I find to be a lot more interesting and probably has even less of a chance to play for the Orioles in 2024. But Guzman actually has a much longer track record in the big leagues than Daniel Johnson does. Guzman, a 29-year-old who, at least for most baseball fans, if they know Ronald Guzman, they know him as a big, power-hitting, left-handed bat who played first base for the Texas Rangers and a little bit for the New York Yankees. He came up with the Rangers in 2018 and had a couple of good stretches, but never kind of found his form as a hitter with the Rangers. He was on their really bad teams back then. Then he played a bit of the 2022 season with the Yankees as well, when they were struggling to just find healthy bodies. And he's had, you know, about 800 plate appearances in the big leagues. Hasn't been great. Only hit 225, just an 83 career WRC plus. Like he's, he's played from 2018 to 22 in each of those seasons, at least had a little bit of time in the big league. So he's been around and, and he was an everyday starter for a while with the Rangers there at the beginning when he first came up when they were really bad. But the interesting part about Guzman is that the Orioles are not signing him to be, you know, first base depth in AAA Norfolk. They're signing him as a pitcher. And this is something new for Ronald Guzman. So this time last year, he signed a minor league contract with the San Francisco Giants and he signed it as a two-way player, as a first baseman slash left-handed pitcher. Now, 
He suffered a forearm strain in spring trading and missed a good chunk of the season, came back and pitched in rookie ball in August, but really didn't pitch a whole lot. But the scouting reports are he's 94 up to 96 with a fastball, throws in a slider and a changeup from the left side. And teams have liked the stuff enough to take a chance on him on these minor league deals and let him try to pitch. So while the Giants signed him as a two-way player, the Orioles announced him as just a left-handed pitcher when they signed him to a minor league deal last week, which tells me, you know, he might have to hit in a pinch if he's, you know, in Bowie or Norfolk at some point, but he's generally going to be on the roster as a left-handed pitcher. Now you have no idea what's going to go on here. He's pitched a little bit in the Dominican Winter League so far this winter as well, so he's working at it. He's clearly working at it. What's going to happen here is, you know, he might appear in some games in spring training, and he'll probably start the year still in Sarasota at extended spring training. The Orioles will continue to work with him, kind of fine-tune the pitching mechanics, what his stuff is, and then he'll probably go to the low minors, right? Like you might see him go to Delmarva, then go to Aberdeen, and I think the hope for Guzman would be, hey, if I can get to Aberdeen and maybe Bowie, this year and at least show that I can pitch in double A, then maybe the Orioles bring me back or another team takes a chance on me in 2025. And probably 2025 would be the year where he's kind of shooting to get to the big leagues as a pitcher if it all works out. But again, I just find these stories interesting, right? Guys who have time in the big leagues as a hitter just doesn't work out. They try to come back as a pitcher. I hope it works out for Ronald Guzman. Heck, I hope it works out with the Orioles, right? That would be great. But with anyone, it's kind of a cool story um, to see there. And, And we'll see where it goes again. I would not think he's really pitching even in the high minors for the O's this year, but if he does start getting into, you know, Delmarva and Aberdeen and affiliated ball early in the season, it'll be something to monitor. Maybe go check out a game and see, uh, hey, is he really turning into a pitcher who's worth watching and worth keeping an eye on? But speaking of Orioles pitching, just a couple more Orioles pitching news and notes to get to. Some Mike Elias comments, another pitcher the O's have been somewhat linked to. We'll get to that to finish off the pod coming up right after this. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. Now, you know what we're going to talk about. It's happy Super Bowl week, or two weeks, to all of those who celebrate. And that's from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and maybe placing a few super bets as well. I, you know, love the Super Bowl, depending on who's playing in it, but the commercials are great, right? The halftime show is great. The snacks are always amazing. Sometimes the football's not exactly for the hardcore football fan, but sometimes it's a great game as well. And, you know, you can do all those normal lines and the spreads on the Super Bowl, but there's also so many props. How many yards will this guy run for? What will the coin toss be? How long will the national anthem be? Sometimes that's what the Super Bowl is all about. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two, Or three, not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. And new customers, you can join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Finishing up the Orioles news and notes episode here on a Monday, our final Monday of the month of January. A little programming note for the podcast. This is our final week of quote-unquote off-season on the pod. The off-season is where generally we'll give you three episodes per week. When I return next week, so into February, we are back to the daily schedule. Five days a week, Monday through Friday episodes starting again next Monday. So 
look out for that. February 5th restarts the daily schedule. And at that point, we're about two weeks away from the start of spring training and things really start to ramp up here on the pod. So thanks for bearing with me throughout the offseason. We are almost back to baseball season here at this point. But speaking of baseball season, we know the O's, hopefully, hopefully, will do something, add some pitching between now and opening day, but hopefully between now and February 14th when pitchers and catchers report to Sarasota for the O's. And Michael Lorenzen was not the only starting pitcher that a reporter had linked to the Orioles in the last week. The other one was, unfortunately, Domingo Herman. And this is the second time Domingo Herman and the Orioles have been mentioned kind of together in passing in a sentence so far this offseason. Mark Sanchez of the New York Post, not the quarterback, the uh, reporter, reported that the Orioles and the Blue Jays are among six teams who have interest in Domingo Herman this offseason. Now, on the flip side, Rockabaco of Masson has written multiple times that the Orioles do not have any interest in... Domingo Herman, and I tend to side with Rock mostly because he's just an arm of Orioles PR at this point. Now, it's not very good PR to sign Domingo Herman, and we'll get to that, but I would take Rock over probably this guy, Mark Sanchez, who doesn't even exclusively report on baseball and works in New York and is not a big name at all unless it really is the quarterback. And again, you know, Rock didn't screenshot a text from PR and, and post it saying that Domingo Herman will not be signed by the O's. He, he does that for other things, but... I would probably side with him here. But still, it's good to point out that the Orioles should not be wading into these waters at all. Hermada, 31-year-old righty who has been with the Yankees in his career. And last year, he threw about 110 innings and had a 4.56 ERA. He was a slightly below average major league pitcher. Like, he wasn't anything special at all with the Yankees. And I don't care what potential upside he still might have with his spin rates or his stuff and I don't care that it might be a fairly cheap starting pitching option plain and simple the Orioles should not be anywhere near Domingo Herman. if you don't know the story he was suspended 81 games in 2020 for violating the league's domestic violence policy he hit his then girlfriend in 2019 in public at a charity event then later that night continued to abuse his girlfriend who locked herself in the closet and called friends to basically come and save her from her own house. Herman has had a large history with alcohol abuse, and that has just kind of ruined a lot of relationships in his life, including it became an entire blow-up in the Yankees clubhouse last year where he got almost into a fight with Aaron Boone and was belligerently drunk in the clubhouse. And this is not anyone who should be pitching in Major League Baseball, quite frankly. Now, the Orioles, let alone that, should not be anywhere near Domingo Herman. I've, you know, not been the biggest fan of Mike Elias at times, but it seems like to me he's done at least a solid job of keeping a good clubhouse together. Now, not sure the Michael Gibbons signing from last year is a point in his favor there, but... This is just not something the O's should do. And I hope, you know, the, the reporting from Rock is correct, that the O's are not interested here at all. And Mark Sanchez, the not-Jets quarterback, is off base here. But again, this is well beyond baseball reasons for not bringing in Domingo Herman. Just not not something that should happen at all for this Orioles team. They, they need pitching? No. They don't need it nearly that much. That's He's not a guy anyone should be bringing in in Major League Baseball at this point. But Mike Elias did talk about the Orioles' need for pitching. The Birdland Caravan was this weekend. I was not at an event. If you were there, 
Share your experiences in the YouTube comments here. Let me know if it was good or bad or why or why not. Email me, LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com as well to uh, give your thoughts about the Bird Lake Caravan. But Mike Elias was there. He spoke to the media. And, of course, most of the questions he got about were, hey, are you going to go acquire some starting pitching with not much time left in this offseason? And Elias said, which I agree with to a point, he said that at this point the Orioles are much better suited to acquire a top-line starting pitcher via trade than they are via free agency. In a vacuum, that's stupid. The Orioles have no money committed to anyone beyond 2024. Yes, there'll be players who they'll eventually pay in arbitration, but in terms of any kind of actual contracts or extensions, there's no money on the books after this year. Like They should have all the spending flexibility in the world to go add Blake Snell, to go add Jordan Montgomery, who, you know, it's almost February, are both still out there as free agent pitchers as I record this. But we also understand the reality of John Angelos and the little baby man who is refusing to spend any money on his baseball team and is just pocketing the profits that he gets anyway. So he's not going to spend in free agency. So that's where that Michael Eyes quote comes from. And, and yes, they have, arguably, as we talked about with Arm Layton last week, make sure to go check out Thursday's episode, kind of reading through the Orioles' farm system at the moment. They still have arguably the number one system in all of baseball. They have so much minor league talent, most of them position players, they're not all going to have spots on this big league roster. We talked about how it's got to break. There's got to be the straw that breaks the camel's back at some point for the Orioles here. Like, they don't have playing time and spots on the field for all these guys. At some point, the dam's going to break, and they got to make a trade here with some of these young position player prospects. So they have the guys to go trade for anybody on the starting pitching market. So Elias is right there, but he also said that the Orioles have been maybe the most aggressive team in the starting pitching market this offseason and, and basically alluded to the fact that, hey, we just haven't made the deal yet. Well, you can say all that, and maybe it's true. Maybe the Orioles are wheeling and dealing like crazy on the trade market, and just, you know, the asking prices are just way too high for Dylan Cease or Jesus Lazardo and others, but they are giving fair offers to the White Sox and the Marlins. But there's no way to prove that, and you can't really say we've been the most aggressive team on the, on the starting pitching market when you haven't signed a starting pitcher, when the only player you've signed has been Craig Kimbrell so far this offseason. You can't say that. doesn't matter what's going on behind the scenes. When you haven't made a move yet, and the Dodgers have brought in Glasnow, Yamamoto, and Paxton all in one offseason so far. You can't say we've been the most aggressive team. It's just not the case. And I get that, you know, there are reports coming out from John Heyman that the White Sox are asking for, quote, the sun and the moon right now in Dylan Cease trades, and it's becoming more, less and less likely that the White Sox will trade Cease before opening day. Like, I understand all of that, that there's reports coming out about the Marlins. And again, another episode last week with Arm Layton, we talked about how the O's could go get Jesus Lazardo or Edward Cabrera from the Marlins. Make sure to check out that episode. And I understand all that. But this is why I continue to say it. I've said this for multiple years now. Like, whenever Michael Elias talks to the media, don't take anything he says to heart. It's not that he's outwardly lying every time he talks. It's just because there's John Angelos behind him and he has to be the guy who basically covers for Angelos at times while also being somewhat bought into the way Angelos thinks about this roster construction and paying for this team... He's just telling some people what they want to hear. He's speaking in broad generalizations. He never really says anything that really, really matters until he actually says, hey, you know, Grayson Rodriguez is not going to make the team. Or, you know, Mike Bauman is definitely going to be a relief pitcher this year. You know, those definite things that he says about his own team. Otherwise, when he's speculating like this, it's just better to not take this stuff to heart. You'll be a lot happier that way. But I don't know. I, I've said it before. I'm I'm cooling and cooling. I've said all offseason, you know, at some point, whatever the Orioles do, whether it's a number five guy, veteran depth guy, or a, an ace, the Orioles are going to add at least one more big league starting pitcher this offseason. We're almost at February. 
I don't know if I believe that that's definitely going to happen anymore. Like, there's more and more doubt creeping into my mind, and they may just go into the season with, I don't think it's a good idea, but might just go into the season with the current group that they have. But we shall see. That'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thinking about doing a mailbag later in the week, answering your Orioles question. So if you'd like to get a question answered, leave your question right here in the YouTube comments and make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked on Orioles YouTube page. And of course, as always, you can send your mailbag questions via email. That is to LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com. Send your mailbag questions and any thoughts about the O's, about the show as well. And we'll make sure to get back to you or answer your mailbag question on a future mailbag episode coming up later in the week. But until then, I am Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.